0: All right, let's do this. All right, everyone, how are you? Are you good? That's great. Welcome to this week's episode of our podcast. It's called "Is Breakfast Included." Thanks for stopping by and checking us out this week on the show. Uh, today, I talked to an old friend of mine, uh, Grant Petty. I seem to say that a lot. A good friend of mine, a friend of mine, an old friend of mine, and not everyone on this show starts out as being my friend. I just happen to keep in touch with a lot of people. Uh, we make a connection and then we become friends. And But Grant is an old friend of mine. I've known him for the better part of 20 years. He's got a band called North Point Drive. He is the lead singer and songwriter of the band. They're based in North Texas. They're making a few waves. They got some videos, some dates coming up in July. I know Grant from a different life when he was a singer of a rock band called House of Flies and carbon soul later on. And then he moved off to LA and did the LA thing. Learned a lot of lessons, brought listened to what was going on out there and spent some time out there. He didn't go out there and then come right back. He stayed out there for several years, came back, and now he's doing the country thing. And thankfully it's not red dirt country, which is nothing wrong with that. But it just seems like every band guy that person that starts a band Wants to do Texas Country or Red Dirt. And that's fine if you want to do that. But what he's doing, it, it kind of reminds me of country music that I listened to when I was growing up. So it's cool. Got a little rock feel to it. And his songwriting is very personal. He kind of remembers when we met. I don't remember quite when we met. But we tell that story. And he says some nice things to me. Um, chooses some very kind words to, to tell me. All right, let's check it out. Tell me who you are.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, Grant Petty, the uh, country band down here in Texas. Uh, we're called North Point Drive.
0: North Point Drive. I think the last time I talked to you, Grant, uh, the last time we saw each other, I want to say it was the early 2000s, right before you yeah. moved off to L.A. Yep, yeah, right before I moved off to L.A., I, th- uh, <laughs> I think I was around 2007, I was at the Nam show and I was coming up in a cab and I saw you running across the street and I think I texted you and you said, yeah. I am at NAM but I'm on my way to the whiskey. Yeah. You were going yeah. to, and, and that's, that's, I mean, that, that's really the last time I saw you after that, you were in LA. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And before, uh, before that a little bit, one of the, one of my fondest memories is Doing that uh, show we put on in Corsicana, remember? We oh, <laughs> rented out that man. hall. That was cool, man. I remember that. Uh man, that was a really good times, man.
0: But those were the days, man. We could rent those out some place, and people would actually come out to hear your band play. Our yeah, bands remember, play. Remember
1: that? Yeah, exactly. I remember doing a few in Palestine, Corsicana, and then I remember something you told me that stuck in my head forever. Was I remember at the end of that show when I paid the bands? paid the couple of security people all the stuff I literally had a handful of change and I looked at you and said man i'm I gotta quit this i gotta I, I gotta quit this <laughs> you know and I remember you looking at me and going dude don't stop don't stop hey man you you know you sometimes you're gonna hit it sometimes you're gonna walk out with pennies that's what it is <laughs> don't stop I just always stuck in my head like yeah, what are you talking about? Sometimes you, sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't, man. You just gotta go, go, per, you know, keep running, keep running. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it's funny, fun. man. Uh, you and I, 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 you know what, Grant? I we've known each other so long. I don't quite remember how we met. Like I know how we met. It almost feels like that I've known you forever.
1: Yeah, uh, you knew me from Aaron Folsom and Freestone. Uh,
0: that's right. What
1: happened was. Uh, Aaron, when we got in a band, House of Flies, when I was 19 years old, he said, hey, I know a guy in Dallas who can kind of get us into Deep Ellum. He's booking. uh, He is booking Galaxy Club and he's doing some other stuff with 97 on the Eagle. And I said, oh, cool. And then what happened was we started trying to get some recordings and we couldn't find anybody that could really do it. And you hooked us up with Braxton Henry and that guy amazing he did a dozen furies he's done so much good work uh sound guy too you know awesome guy and we got hooked up with him and we got to play show that actually that was our first show was at the galaxy club in deep ellum was because you hooked that show up that was our <laughs> first deep ellum opening and that's when i met you face to face and all that kind of stuff i was like oh, okay cool you're the guy that kind of hooked me into sound in deep ellum because i was running around there for a little bit at some of those different places i remember you going hey will you run sound uh why don't you go down here to reno's why don't you go down here to this place hey you can run sound over here i was like oh man let's do it. hey when's your band want
0: to play i, was I like, think you ran sound do for me at indigo for a minute too. yes
1: i did absolutely <laughs> i forgot the name of that club that's why i was going wait because those clubs change names you know
0: yeah uh that's yes a, yep. that's the new pecan lot it's not new but that's hey, Pecan Lodge. <laughs> It's weird. I <laughs> yes. took I was in Dallas uh, a couple weeks ago, and I took my son for lunch there. And I was telling him, I was like, "Man, this used to be the bar I worked at." And then he kind of rolled his eyes, like, "Oh God, here come the stories." Like, "Here's the
1: story." Back, Back in my day, Back
0: in my day, uphill both ways, snowing in the fleet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, right on. You no. you did House of Flies, and then you um you hooked up with a guy named uh, what's the cat's name Ryan Ryan Ray. Ryan Ray
1: Ryan Ray and uh then yeah then we did Carbon Soul and that was kind of our next kick um and then that went for a little while and then Ryan Ray was playing in a band called Never Set and he ended up being the singer in a band called Atticane, and those guys were tour support for years um for I mean just so many really, really good bands that I just wished, like, give me to give you an example, you told me before anybody ever even knew, I think when you were doing DJ stuff for the Eagle, for the Rubber Room, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you said, hey man, there's this band playing at the Bomb Factory or something like that over in Deep Ellum called Breaking Benjamin. And I said, who's that? You said, go check these dudes out. I'm telling you, their music it's, it's something. I went and watched them. I was blown away, but it was before they had really hit. And then a few years later, uh, uh, Atta Kane with Ryan, they're opening up for the dudes. The uh, Candlebox taught Ryan how to sing. The singer from Candlebox, because they were opening up for him, is the guy that worked with him backstage and taught him how to actually sing. And I was like, what? This world is so small, yeah. you know, when you really think about it.
0: Yeah, it's, I uh, I remember. Uh, crazy man, uh, Ryan's band. They they played a lot with uh, a buddy of mine's band, Messer, and uh, yeah, I went to see him. Yep. I, that was a la- I saw. I hadn't seen Ryan in years, but I, I talked to him for a few minutes. We exchanged phone numbers and talked for a minute after that. But it's hard to keep in touch with everybody. Grant. Hard
1: to keep in <laughs> touch because you just meet so many people too. Because right. you know, you go somewhere like I was telling you earlier. You know, I had a little European thing there. Uh, and man, you, sometimes you just meet people and you just feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm like your brother, like, it's almost like their family or something. Yeah. And it, it's hard. Cause once life goes through, well, you have 400 people that you felt like that about at some point. So it's kind of <laughs> hard to keep track with everybody. I know how that goes. Yeah. Life, life moves, life uh, moves.
0: After, after carbon soul, man, you, you took off to LA.
1: Yes. Why, so why'd you soul, leave Dallas? Uh, because I got caught in the producer trap. Um, so really the whole reason I ever did any music, any sound festivals, any photography, anything, producing, recording, all this stuff was how do I get my music out to where it needs to be at that level and not have to borrow money or be broke the whole way through? So uh, there's a huge rehearsal studio in Dallas, um, Pro Rehearsal. And I ended up being the manager, the lease manager, and then I ran the recording studio. The owner of the whole facility said, "Hey, I'll let you run the building, and we'll partner up as a recording studio." So I got to record all these really great acts. Um, you know, it really worked well. But I felt I found myself not performing, and just you know, producing and recording and albums and doing this and going to school at UNT and all the stuff. And it was really cool. But I just had this feeling like, dude. You did all of that to get your voice out. You you, you know, you can do this when you do this when you're 60 and the and the fire just burns. Go and produce then. You know, so I kind of that's when I flipped and said, hey, I'm going out to L.A. I'm going to try to do something. I moved out there, ended up doing sound vocal production again. But it was cool because it's for the one of the Doobie Brothers. Uh, so that that's kind of how I got out to L.A. But then once I went out there, I met a guy from England. Uh, His name is Mick Kinney, and he was in this. uh, uh, I think it's called Grindcore. Mm -hmm. And it's called, uh, his band's name is Anal Nathrak. So he's best friends with like Shane from Napalm Death and all these kind of dudes. He wrote this super mainstream sounding kind of Avenge Sevenfold Linkin Park kind of twist, but he already was signed and kind of already had the clout behind him. So that band was called The Deliverance. So that gave us a pretty good push in LA. That's what we were pushing for several years in Uh LA. Um, you know, and that, and that basically the whole point was get to the door and see what they say. So we got to the door several times, had major producers come out, all this type of stuff, brought it to them all. And they all looked at me and went, great music. Uh, sounds a little new metal. Try something new. And I'm like, oh man, (laughs) here we go again, three years or whatever it was. But it, it was, it was really good experience. Um, the manager kind of told me. He said, "Hey Grant, I know you really like this mainstream sound, but try something a little different." And I said, "Okay, what are you what are you talking about?" He goes, "There's a guys down in Florida. They want to fly you down there, and they want you to do a progressive metal album with them." I was like, "What? What? What's that?" I know what metal is. I know Pantera. I know you know Deftones. I know I know that. Well, what are you talking about with progressive metal? Anyway, so. I went down there, did a project called Synchronicity, kind of got us around the world a little bit in some mm-hmm. places I didn't even know cared about music. You know, go to Portugal, go to, uh go, you know, <laughs> it's just these crazy places. And you're like, wow, they're really kind of into that. So Deliverance failed, kind of, you know, had its run, switched into that. And then I sat in LA for, I'd say about seven years and all i was doing which you know kind of hurt my heart because i because i always fall back into the producing thing Mm -hmm. i knew some buddies that did a lot of film for netflix and all these you know type deals but what kind of one of the things they do is they don't want to pay for the high-end music so what they'll do is they'll find a guy like me or mick or a couple of these other guys and they'll say hey here's a you know four hundred thousand dollar movie not a great budget, but we've got one good actor in or something. We're gonna place all these famous songs in this thing where we want them, the clips and the snips how we want them. Now you go back in and re-record those songs, not the same song, but kind of in your vibe with your lyrics, you know, change it. But here's yeah. the tone. So I was doing 10 second clip, 30 second clip that sounded like a knockoff A C D C song or uh I remember one time I was doing a knockoff Macy Gray song and I was flipping my voice to sound kind of like that, you know, like a chick. And I was going, what are you doing, man? What are you doing, dude? Like, come on. Come on. You know, so then uh, I just started kind of going, you got to, you got to, you got to reach to the next. You, you know, you're, you're getting around 40, man. You got to kind of think outside the box. What are you going to do? Yeah. Well, it was
0: I paying was like, the hey. bills, but wasn't fulfilling you. Yeah, yeah.
1: It was like this is, you know, yeah, it wasn't fulfilling me at all. And I wasn't I wasn't get to sing like I wanted to, you know, I wasn't getting to perform and let my art out and let let that out. It was more, hey, polish this art. And I'm like, that's good, I'm good at that. But you know, I was like, Well, what kind of music can I do that'll allow you to be pretty much whatever age you want? And I was like, You are from Texas. <laughs> Let's do some country, man. So I kind of thought on that for about five years and then three years ago la kind of got a little crazy for family i love la i love it but sometimes when you get four kids like i do and a wife you know it's a lot for them to see you know so i was kind of like you know i need to go back to where i feel comfortable and i was like well coolest place i knew when i was growing up kind of besides having to move all the way out to the country or something was Denton. Go to Denton area. It's really nice. UNT's there. It's a really cool eclectic area. There's a lot of artists. That's a music school. Um, so I moved out here three years ago and then just went full dive in for a year recording the band North Point Drive, which was pretty much realistically it started. It was just me. I was writing all the music, pro- programming everything. And then I just got buddies that I knew like music and most of them were kind of rocker guys. Some were rock dudes, a couple were country guys, but you know, like the bass player, he's from Brazil. He played, he played in worship music, but he is a phenomenal artist. You know, the drummer used to be a touring drummer for like, um, jam band type stuff. So he was the festival circuit guy, but they all were like, Hey, let's do some country. But let's kind of incorporate a little bit of these tones of what we like. You know, that's the thing about country now. It's not so play two-step or you're out. It's more, I mean, a lot of it, the funny thing was, man, when I came back, and I started meeting up all these friends that I knew that used to be in metal and and, uh, emo bands and all this stuff. Half these guys are playing country. I mean, Eric Delagarde, I've known him for several years. And one of his buddies, Matt Thompson, the drummer from... King Diamond, well, he was the drummer on that Florida Project Synchronicity with Tony Choi from Cynic and all these other things. Anyways, they all live in Denton. And I start looking them up and hanging around with them a little bit, talking with them some, and uh, they're all doing country. And I'm going, wait a minute. Is this kind of what, is this kind of like a a lot of, dude, I'm telling you half these country guys are rock guys that like country because now, you can, it kind of, a lot of it has that tone to it. Feels like a you know, it's got a good tone, but it's um, you can put a real good message to that. Like you can play this to your children. I mean, we were we played a show the other, yesterday or when whatever it was, a couple uh, whatever Saturday. So yeah, yesterday. Sorry, time's running together. Yeah. And there was 150 people, very upscale hotel kind of setup, and seventy one of them were children jumping in a pool, having a great time. And I'm going. I don't think I would have been playing this show in a metal band. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's so, the audience is so wide. Uh, you know, r- really a good, a good experience. I love it. My kids love it. They hook up the PA system. My wife will flip the living room and set up the speakers. And then afterwards we break it all down, you know, just to do you know, Cause we don't, we don't have to practice as much cause we're old now ish, you know, we're in the 40 range. It's kind of like, guys, look, The the three, four nights a week thing, we're already playing several nights a week. We just need to tighten up here and there, or if we have a week off, we need to get together rehearse. But, you know, I'm sure you know that, too. You know, back in the day, you needed to rehearse every single day all the time just to even know how to stay with the metronome. When you get a little older, you know, you kind of got to do your own homework a little bit. They're expecting you to be perfect when you show up. I'm sure... You know, some of the work that you've done for Duran Duran and some of these other guys, yeah, the time to figure it out is way, way beyond you. You know, that's like you, 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 they know, you know, that's kind of, that's how the, the run is at this point.
0: Right on, man. So the guys in your band, you said they were friends of yours, right? there Was it anyone from your previous band? When I was running, it
1: was not from the previous band. It was a band that was in that rehearsal studio, and they were 15- and 16-year-old kids. Uh I produced their album. They were a band called Underprime. The drummer went to jail on their CD release at Curtain Club, and I said... We're not letting that happen. I just, I, because I know how to play drums too. I just played their drums, tub double kick stuff. Cause I, had, I had just spent three months recording their full album, mm-hmm. so I just filled it in as their drummer until their drummer got in jail. Um, so those guys, I moved. I kept in touch with them for years. We could, were our fake little name. We used to tell ourselves we're like we're the dirty kids. Well, we're not kids anymore, but <laughs> at the time, you know, it was just this younger, these younger guys that were about five years, six years younger than me, kind of. You know, looked up to me, but they were really good hearted guys. Um, those are the guys in the band as far as the resonator player and the rhythm guitarist. Those guys, I have known them for, I don't
0: know, 20 years, something like that. Right on. And they were yeah. down with playing country.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They said, hey, man, as long as it sounds good, let's let's do it. Because I said, hey, if you really listen to these riffs, half of these are kind of got rocky sounds to it mixed with a little bit of... You know, I said think about music more like more like a world sound. Yeah. It doesn't mean you don't have a style, but there's no reason you can't mix some of these styles into what's what you're doing. I said, you know, uh, you know, resonator's not that far off from. A, I mean, the lead guitarist guy, uh, such a great guitarist, he's not even a resonator player. I just talked to him about six months ago once we started releasing and playing and performing, and said, hey man, you're a phenomenal lead guitarist i learned how to i learned how to do the resonator i'm the one put it on the i'm on the album doing it uh i said that if i could figure this out and i wasn't naturally that you will kill on this instrument and two weeks later he shows up sliding slipping that thing like i've never even seen and i was like i knew you could do it dustin that's why i called you i actually got a hold of ryan ray but he's too busy with his work and stuff because there's only a couple people i know that could you know handle switching instruments and be able to handle it and know that, Hey, you can do that, you know? Uh, but this, this guy worked out and he's the dude. So yeah, I noticed
0: it. on a lot of your, that's one thing you did in the beginning. You, you put out videos, uh, yes. to promote your stuff. But I noticed you were playing the resonator a lot in the early yep. stuff.
1: Early stuff. I'm pretty much, uh, uh, that's one thing he likes. Cause he said, Hey man, this is one of the times where I have to kind of sit back and listen. He said, normally I'm such a good guitarist that, not that he won't take advice from other people, but he's a really, really good guitarist. Uh, so he goes, you know, it'd be hard for me to let you tell me how to play guitar because he is a way better guitarist than I am. I'm a good rhythm guitarist, uh, but he's really, really good. He said, but this, it allows me to learn something new and be humble with it and then set back. So even me, I'm not some phenomenal through the roof type resonator guy. I just, the way I wrote the music was kind of, I followed that kind of, Michael Jackson style, meaning where our Prince style, which is pretty much same way I write lyrics and everything, write it with your mouth as a hum, do a mumble track mm-hmm. or whatever, just make it up with your mouth and then reverse it back to the guitar. You know, and so I would track it, record it, and then I would just figure out how to do that on the guitar on the resonator. And then over, a, you know, eight month period of time, I've kind of I figured it out um, as far as like what it's obvious. Obviously, looking online and watching some of the most phenomenal slide players I'd ever seen, but just picking up on their tricks. But I never actually, I don't know any that are here as far as resonator slide players. That's a very unusual instrument because I haven't really been in country for 30 years in my life or something like that. I just didn't know where to get those people or uh, I didn't know. And I was like, well, you're just going to have to figure it out. Do it like you do all this stuff. You do in music, just figure it out. Yeah. If you know someone great, if not figure it out, man, the yeah. internet and YouTube is pretty much an auto teaching lesson. If you just know what you're looking at kind of deal.
0: Yeah. You um, can go down a rabbit hole and find all kinds of information on that. Yeah, you know, on
1: absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, re- it really does.
0: Uh, man, Like you said earlier, you came back to Texas. All your rock friends, metal friends, they're they're all playing country. I I noticed that too. I noticed that was a, a a thing several years ago. They all started gravitating towards country, and they all started. None of them wanted to say they were playing country. They all wanted to say, well. I'm playing outlaw country. the thing I noticed about, yeah, yeah, the one thing I noticed (laughs) about you is you don't fall North point drive. Doesn't fall into a Texas country thing. It doesn't, it's like you said, it's got kind of a rock feel, but you've got that. I don't want to say, you know, the, the country in the eighties had melody, had, you know, had Mm -hmm. production, had, it, it just wasn't, you know, tears and beers.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's really what turned me off to country originally, which I love now. So it's not anything. But I mean, was that some of the stuff from the 90s, it just made me sad. And right. that was when, when I was growing up and I was more into the, you know, uh, I was just more into the alternative rock kind of scene because a lot of time at that point, it was all two steps sad. I'm getting divorced. I mean, not all of it, but a good 80 percent. I mean, I like Garth Brooks. I like the Dixie Chicks. I like Tim McGraw because they kind of had a different vibe. but I wouldn't consider myself like a super fan of it, but I would definitely, because my brother listened to a lot of country, I would listen to that. It wouldn't be a turnoff to me. Um, but then once I started paying attention to it and listening to some of these guys today, you know, coming out and, you know, Eric Church and, uh, you know, Jason Aldean and some of these guys, I'm going, oh man, these are rocker dudes at heart. And then I look at we I saw uh, Eric Church a few months back or so. I'm gonna go watch him again in a few months, and they literally put they build themselves as a hard rock country group. And I'm like, well, hey, wait a minute, that means that means there's no there's no real rule to this. I mean, you you got to follow it, but uh, kind of you know a, a tone. You're looking for a particular tone, hold a particular twang with your thing, but. Uh, but other than that, you don't you don't have to just don't you don't have to just stay with that. If you want to put one like that, that's cool. But um, I mean, even the manager the other day was like, "Hey, try to get some different hats. You Wear a lot of ball caps. That's cool. Look for some little bolo. Look for something different." So I, I went to the Justin boots. I start putting on these big, you know, hats, and he goes, "Hey, hey, man, that looks cool. Don't lean too hard on the Texas thing." He goes, "It's cool, but that's not really what your tone is." He said, "So it's not no no big deal if you want to do that." He goes, "But you know," he said, "just be you, do do your thing, be you." The only thing he ever got onto me about was, I used to rip my shirt sleeves off on just regular t shirts, and he saw that one day in some interviewer picture, and he goes, "All right, all right, listen, listen." <laughs> when I said no rules, let well, me make a couple <laughs> rules up here. Let's keep it, let's clean it up just a little. Just clean it just a little. And I said, "Well, what do you mean?" He goes. Your shirt you wore on stage in Arizona at a thing. He goes, it looks like you just ripped off one of your construction shirts. And I went, I did. He goes, yeah, let's not do that. I said, yeah, but some of these other guys are, you know, got tank tops and this and that. He goes, yeah. And do you notice the edges are sewn? I said, oh, he goes, they bought them like that. Those are designed. (laughs) He goes, you're just ripping Goodwill clothes apart. And I went, oh, okay, all right, I got you, I got you. I'll tighten
0: it up, Jeff.
1: My bad, bro. But
0: <laughs> why? Why do you yeah. think it is uh, with some of these cats that are playing country now? Like you just admitted it uh, that you liked Garth Brooks, you liked Tim McGraw, you liked certain bands of the '90s. Uh, why do you think it is with these cats that 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 they can't admit that that they have to? throw in that outlaw like oh I like waylon and Willie and I like this like it, you know I love those guys too I do um i don't
1: I think it's that whole I think it's that whole you know it falls in all genres uh fans and people a lot of times like to be the first to discover something that's not really out in the world and that gives them a play you know a feeling of a place it's kind of like kind of like you telling me about uh, Breaking benjamin or something like that you know some fans that would tell me that and i liked them they'd love them until the second that they hit so once they hit a lot of those fans would go oh man they sold out and it's like you know the point of the music is to get to as many people as possible right that's kind of the artist thing usually that's why i think they don't admit that because it's easy you know so a lot of these guys are in i mean i don't you know some do some don't but you know, some of them going, oh, yeah, I don't like that, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of just just that little bit of that here, that yeah. little bit of that. Well, hey, they had they had super success. So, you know, you're not really outlaw or you're not really this. Oh, you listen to the mainstream. And I'm like, yeah, because without those big mainstream dudes, the whole genre wouldn't even exist. I mean, let's be realistic. You wipe the top 20 country artist or any top pop artist, any of that. You take the top 20, 30 of those people and make them go away, there is no sub-genre underneath.
0: Yeah.
1: They're I, they're creating the tone, man. I mean, don't you give props and respect to the people, even if you think sometimes that music's, you know, uh, it's it was put together in Nashville and it was all placements and they were using catalogs and all this. Who cares? You're looking for a message and a tone and a voice and the musicianship that goes behind it. Do I care if some little kid wrote the song and then Tim McGraw picked it up, put his vibe and sang it? I don't care. I think that's amazing. Great. You know, that's a, in my opinion. That's why I think some people will do that. They'll do the whole, uh, well, you know, we do Outlaw or we do Red Dirt. Well, we got a few songs that are considered Red Dirt. We got a few songs that are like Dirty Blues kind of sound. We got some songs that are straight, uh, you know, uh, pop country. You know, we we kind of... You know, we, not shotgun blast, but we're trying to give you a variety when you're hearing the music. That yeah. way, yeah. if you are a two step person, well, cool. You're going to get three or four songs that give you that straight vibe. If you don't even like country and listen to the set, get three or four of the songs, you're going to go, hey, man, I like that. Uh, that. You know, I'm not even a country dude at that. I like that. We get that quite a bit because of that. You know, it's just a message that you're yeah. trying to, to yeah, get.
0: Yeah, ultimately, that's what it is. You want to get people message you want to get them you want to get their heads bobbing
1: yeah get their heads bobbing and also let them know there's somebody else out there people artists
0: yeah
1: that feel exactly like they feel and sometimes are able to put their feelings into a word um you know that's i mean there's probably many songs that you hear uh, especially doing as much work as you've done with so many people in the last 20 30 years where you hear that song, and instantly you're 14 years old again in Corsicana. Exactly. Or, 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 or in Mahia. <laughs> or, some, you know, and anyone listening, you don't know what we're talking about, but hey, that's hey, where but, we grew up. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, Freestone County, baby, yeah. all the way. Uh, But you know, and it just brings you right there. And no matter what that artist even wrote that song about, it means something to you. For that, what it means. So that's, that's what I think uh, music really is, is that. The connection to where you, someone hears that and goes, I'm not alone. Somebody else understands and feels this too. It'll be all right. Things are good. Let's have some fun. Have some cool. Sometimes bad stuff happens. Sometimes good things happen. That's life, man. Life is, life would be boring if we all got a billion dollars and could just relax on a beach. We'd all, we'd all die of obesity at 50 years old if that happened. It's not (laughs) supposed to be life. Life is supposed to be a struggle. That way, You know, when you get when you get dropped from some I don't know if it's happened to you, but when you get dropped from some uh, tech gig that you thought was going to pay your money for the next year, it drops and you go, oh, my gosh. And then you know what? If you wouldn't have got dropped off that gig, that next door wouldn't have opened up at that particular time. So, you know what? That was supposed to happen like that. Yeah. I wouldn't have got to that next step without it.
0: You know, it's a cheesy thing to say that everything happens for a reason. It does.
1: Absolutely. It's laid in order. It's made like that.
0: What's the um, uh, what's the difference now with North North Point Drive? What you're doing now? Like, what what are the major differences in your the way you approach it as to the way you approach, approach like carbon soul or or any of the you know back in the uh, early two thousands? Yeah, to how you do it now?
1: I would say I write every lyric, and whenever I sing on stage. I pretend, oh well, it's not pretending, but just from seeing so many different people pass away and COVID and different things. You know, you see friends when you get older and you go, wait a minute, damn, we made it to 50. Ooh, you feel your own mortality. So to me, the writing now, I write it as if that's your last word. That may be the last time you ever sing that. You better sing that like that's the day. De- Cause you never know what happens when you get in cars. It's not being morbid. It's just being realistic. So it brings me when I'm writing lyrics to these now, it is much deeper. Uh, as far as what it is, it's not so cliche, even though I'll put things in the stuff that make it catchy. Cause I like catchy melodies and rhythms and all that. I love that, but it's more of a, uh, you better make sure what you put down is nothing that would disgrace you, your family god all, all of the above make sure that that has a particular message not that it has to be heavy message all the time but just make sure that you know in 5000 years when they lose all of the internet files cuz no one has hard copies of anything now and when some solar flare goes poof all your memories are gone cool uh those lyrics will remain and yeah. just, just those lyrics will remain. Your children and grandchildren will read those lyrics one day, even if you lose the CD, you know, make it just write it as if it's your last word. And I heard one artist say it really well. Uh, I'm, I, I don't listen to his music that much. I think his name is, uh, Upchurch. He's like a rap country guy. He's kind of cool. <laughs> I like him. He's funny, cool guy. Uh, but anyways, he said, and I, and I, I do live by this for sure is. You live what you write and you write what you live. If you do anything less than that, it will not ever come out as real and authentic because it's not. If you write, if you play somebody else's music or songs, you better feel that music and that message and song. Because if it doesn't, you'll become very bored, very quick, and it will not be passionate. So that's how I approach recording that's how i repro- uh, approach all of that i mean when i when i go through studio block time sometimes four or five days straight with a group of guys no matter if it's country or progressive or rock whatever that is i mean w- what looking at a bunch of german dudes crying in a studio with dreadlocks or metal looking i mean everybody it's it's cra- it's crazy man it's really crazy so i try to keep it on i try to keep it to that not for the reason of well hey that'll give you the best opportunity to make it who cares, man? Some people make it, and they have such a bad deal; they owe the label money at the very end. To anybody? So if, I don't know. I'm sure you know the, the story of the Dozen Furies. I won't get into that, yeah. but I heard that whole story and went, "Whoa!" Oh, sometimes it's not so shiny. Um, and it's then not some about people's
0: that. idea of making it isn't any of that. It's just like yeah. you said, putting their lyrics, putting their music down, and just having it there as a record of where they were in that time. And yeah, some people don't want the record deal they don't want they just want to put it down
1: yeah absolutely yeah it's, that's that's you know that that's yeah, that's kind of been the approach with music at least in the last i'd say 15 years because as you know like i told you about the whole la thing that kind of just it, it, it didn't jade me because i didn't really do a bunch of bad stuff it actually was a flip to be honest I was really concerned that when I would go to Los Angeles at 26 years old, that, oh no, if I go out there and I'm not strong, the party scene could eat me alive because in Dallas, the party scene was pretty heavy. You know yeah. what I mean? And if you decide how deep you want to go, but it was, you know, you know, you were there. It was pretty heavy, uh, especially through the 2000s and stuff. Some people were off into some real deep, deep nonsense at that time. So I was a little concerned like, man, It might swallow me. And once I went out there and met Mick and a lot of these very, very established musicians, none of them were doing any of that. They literally all looked at me and went, you can't do that. You can't party after every gig. You can't do all these things. They said that's a facade that they kind of push out to the world for that, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, party, party. They said, but all the real ones, most of them don't do that. You know, the labels hate that. They said they may project an image, but if you think all these guys are walking around with needles in their arms, barely holding it together. No, man, this is a profession. That's not how it works. So I was very glad that it it went that way because I was going, wow, okay, good. I just literally went from small town field to this is how the business actually works. Um and that's actually what our uh release is, is is about the song LA. That is the song of me going from Dallas to LA and kind of my expectations. I felt like uh you know fish out of water kind of thing. You know, you you know, you go in, you go, Well, I was doing pretty good in Dallas, you know, you think you're something, and then you go out there and you go, I know nothing. Yeah, yeah. Be quiet and listen to and pay attention. It was more like a uh, a world college or something i don't know it's crazy man
0: yeah i talked to uh i talked to i don't know if you remember this cat nick md he played in the destro yes yes i do Guitar player you know he yeah i I talked to him a couple years ago he was out in la and he said the same thing he's like you know when you're in dallas you got all these bands running around with with their laminates you know because they're playing the curtain club because you they have no clue what Mm -hmm. what what beyond the Dallas city limits holds for them, you know, yeah, the reality yeah, stuff, like, it, yeah oh, i'm gonna absolutely. I'm gonna sell out trees, I'm gonna sell out the curtain club, but then you go to Lawton, Oklahoma, and three people show up,
1: you know, yeah, absolutely, yeah, that's exactly it, and then you get around where you get to meet some real musicians that not that the Dallas people aren't real musicians, but that's why so many people leave. Because they want to know the answer. They don't want to just know what their town's answer is for their local thing. It's kind of like, yeah, that's great. But how do, how do you, how do you get this to another level? And what are the rules? Even if they're loose rules, what, what am I missing? You know, what is the, why is it that, you know, through our time, at least from the 2000s through of some of these groups that we knew in Dallas, how, why is it that only, you know, drowning pool got out? Uh, you know, when you had some of these other groups that you thought, you know, that, that man, it's going to happen, Slow Roosevelt and Big Iron, and a lot of these guys you are like, it's got to, it's, you know, what's the deal, man, they packing house here, I don't understand, you know, they're on some uh, sub-label or whatever, this and this, and then you go somewhere where you're seeing the real artists that are doing all the real tours, all the things, and you go, wait a minute, the mentality of professionalism and perfection that they try to achieve and just focus on is at such a different level you you realize okay you you, this is this not that it's well no it is it's harder than what you thought it was it's not the after party most of the times the guys who play these shows there is no after party there's we get back in the bus. We get we're gonna get ready. We're going to the next show. The next morning we show up. We're gonna have our light breakfast. We're gonna do our interviews. We're gonna go do sound check. We're gonna relax and do our warm-ups and stretches. Then we're gonna go play our show. And we get back in the bus and repeat that. Yeah. And it's like, oh wait, we're not just gonna party in Jersey and then New York. And then it's like, no. No, no, you're not. You're gonna you're gonna have a tour manager right over the top of you going, guys, get in here, go over here, do this now. Now you need to go over here. Hey, now be be together. We got an interview at this time. If we miss this interview, this station's actually gonna find us money if we miss this interview. I'm like, oh, so it's like that. I thought they were just calling us. Mm, no, no. Yeah, Maybe at certain levels, there's agreements. <laughs> so Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I agree with you, man. You know, we were we were around this scene in Dallas where bands like drowning pool i i i think you and i share the same opinion and you said it in a different way i just think um you know drowning pool put in the work they were they the did. man that went out and they they lived in a van and they played and they played the game with radio stations and, and what have you and and i guess i saw and i i i used to voice my opinion a lot like a lot of these cats they're just a big fish in a small pond and they like it that way yeah.
1: They like they, it that way. They don't
0: want yeah. to, you know, leave the comforts of, of what they have here, and, and that's ultimately that's why I think a lot of bands in Dallas did not have the big breaks, you know that that drowning poor or, or even Edgewater had. You yeah, know? those bands did what they had to do, and they they you know they what they would have they say they took their shot and yeah. you know it hit for some it missed for others but i mean if, if you look at the dallas scene grant a lot of those bands are still playing yeah no absolutely you know, i've gone and seen some of them they're doing their Literally annual with, hey, reunion hey, shows and yeah exactly and you know it's like if, uh if any of them listen to this and they they want to call me out they can call me out but hey maybe, i love
1: them all man everyone's got their you know, own everyone's
0: doing their thing everyone's and, got
1: their own thing <laughs> <laughs> it's much, you, you are one of the greatest mentors and examples of people I've ever known in it oh, because man. I've seen you press, press, press. I mean, you were big before I even knew what was going on when I was literally a teenager in high school and Aaron Folsom is in a band, Freestone, which was you guys. Uh, and then went, uh, man, who are these guys? And I'm literally a, a, a teenager, you know, in, in Teague High School going, wow look at that and you have gone from that you, you you know how many people at least in our lives who now are they're doing computer tech and they're doing whatever when you, which is awesome do it you know what i mean i'm a general contractor uh, to make money during in my uh, life life the other portion obviously i'd love to be a musician all the way but you gotta do what you gotta do but yeah. a lot of them just stopped you know and it's like you know if you really love music you'll do what bernie did it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, I mean, you know, I know in one part of your mind, just like most, you would love to be in a band. The, you you would love to have had the Metallica story. You know, <laughs> uh, everybody, you know, everybody has that. But you found a way. No matter what, no matter what. No matter what, man, and you look at your page and the things going on, you're like, dude, that guy is living the music life in all different facets and forms all over the place. I mean, dude, I clicked on your page the other day, seeing Duran Duran stuff going. I'm like, that ain't no Curtain Club. (laughs) You know, that's literally, that runs through my mind going, that ain't no Galaxy, baby. Hey, I love Galaxy, love Bragg, I love them all. But I'm going, yeah, that's next level, man. That's next, 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 next level. That's... Beyond the levels, so I'm going, wow, that's amazing.
0: I just, so, you know, man, I, I I, just love what I do. I mean, I, yeah. that's all I can say. I love what I do. I don't have to be the guy. I just want to be one of the guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just what hang out girls, there. I mean, there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of women in the oh, organization. Yeah, there's a lot of women. There's a lot of women. But, we have uh, a, yeah, on the single we have right now, when I was put with the one's going to come out on the 30th Streets of LA. Uh, that'll be na- that'll be nationally pushed we are in the basically we are in the cumulus catalogs and stuff because of our management group they are very connected And, and you, it's funny he's talking about Waylon Jennings and all this uh, like this is one of the grandkids nephews blah blah kind of thing in that outlaw 70s country he was all clicked up into that so that's how he kind of got clicked up he was like hey I remember having Christmas where Waylon Jennings is in the house hanging out with her dad and I'm going what Okay, so you you know what's going on, man. And so he he's done very well as far as um, getting it to the right places at the right time. And then you can't make the world love you. They either do or they don't. You know, it's not you can't uh, you can't be upset if it doesn't happen. All it's like everything. All I really am asking is just get me to the door. I, I it's not that person's responsibility if they don't like it or the numbers don't work or it does. You don't get the response you like. But there's just something about not knowing, you know. That's the whole leave Dallas to go somewhere and try something else, or go yeah. different something, or any town. That's the that's kind of what that single is, is, you know, get, just even if you you can come back, you know, you can always go back of course of Canada, man. We can always go back to Fairfield or T. We can always do it. But while I have breath in my body and our knees aren't falling out, press, press, yeah, yeah, push, don't stop. You got a handful of coins, it's okay, Grant. Don't stop. I remember you saying something to me like, "Hey, you know most people that like get these little little festival things that you know kind of going." He goes, "You know most of those people they're like forty. You're like twenty, dude. Don't stop, man. This happens. It's okay. You're you're depressed, man. You know it it was really that stuck in my brain. It really
0: did. All right, all man. Thank you. Thank you for those nice things. (laughs) But I I think there's such a stigma in our society on failure. Like they tell you, you can't fail. You got to succeed. You got to be, you know, fucking failure got us where we are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Every time I hear that, I think of that too. I always go, I just think a KFC guy, KFC dude. He was like, I don't know. These, these numbers might be a little wrong. So don't quote me if (laughs) anybody's listening. Uh, But that dude went through like two divorces, seven full bankruptcies, and then thought of KFC. Put that out. He was like 60 before he hit but he never stopped. No. He never stopped. He didn't care. It was the it was the attitude of uh, the German people I was saying this last week doing a little project with. They said that's one thing about Americans. A lot of times is uh, I was. they said, you're very animated. You're very optimistic, in, but in a in a very forceful way. And I said, well. I said, you know, that's that, uh, it's just, I said, I have to kick the door in. Even if I know sometimes the other side might not be what I'm expecting, I can't sit outside the door and not know. Um, I can't do it. One of my bosses in L.A. had the perp best story I'd ever heard. He got signed to Universal in the 90s for kind of a, he was supposed to be like the other Vanilla Ice, like a rap rocker guy from Detroit. He was a good looking guy. He was a fireman slash stripper slash actor. So grew, amazing looking dude. And I said, well, how did you get signed? How did you do it? And he said, well, what I did was I just went out to L.A. with my demo tracks and I sat in front, you know, the I think it's I can't remember which label it is. It's the tower one, you know, tower in, uh, in Hollywood. Capital? I don't, yeah. The Capital. Yep. It's the, you know, the circle one goes yep. all the way up old school, West side Hollywood. Uh, anyways, he said, I just sat out in front of their office every day. He said, I go work out. So I'd look all in shape and I'd sit out on front of their steps. And I said, and did what? And he said, Anytime anybody walk in that building because they'd let you in or out, you couldn't just walk into it. He said, Anytime anybody go into that building, I go, Hey man, listen to my demo. Give them listen to my demo. And he said, I just sat out there for about a week and a half. Every day, all day, all day, every day. And he said, Finally, one of the secretaries said, Hey, you know, we don't want to have to call the police or anything for loitering and stuff, but what are you doing? And she he said, I'm a sing- I'm a singer, rap singer guy. It's the nineties, so you know I was a thing. Um he said, just give this to an AR person i promise and she said we get hundreds of submissions every day nobody you know it's not how it works you know you got to go through the right channels and blah blah and he goes well then i'll see you tomorrow and she goes give me give it to me she goes i will give it to one of the guys i promise and he said he sat out there four hours later one of the R guys came downstairs and said hey man you need to come over here and talk with us we love your music and they signed him and i went man now that's perseverance that is just 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 let me get hurt i can't i can't force them to like it but i just just see if it's something you want you know what i mean yeah, yeah. i mean i literally have told them hey if it doesn't work out or they don't like the voice or whatever just to be a songwriter i'll sell it to the nashville catalogs if it's something that's, i mean i will but obviously i want to get my shot to see if See if I can do it. But if it's only on the songwriting, that's cool. If it doesn't work with that, I'll put in placements. I'll put in a commercial in, in Germany for a bread commercial. I don't care. As long as that hook gets in there and someone goes, hey, that's how I feel, right. then I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, you know? That's you know that's how I look at it. All
0: well, right on, man. Well, buddy, I, I appreciate your time, man. Where, where can people find North Point Drive on, on social media or... You can type it in
1: anywhere. You can type in northpointdrive.com. You can put North Point Drive Band, and it'll show up anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, all the stuff. Um, Like I said, the 30th, we're going to be releasing nationwide, uh, Streets of L.A. Um, That's going to be coming out on the 30th of this month. There will be a music video following it also. So just type it in. It'll show up. I kind of, the band name was kind of a low hanging fruit, meaning I couldn't think of one. I walked outside and I did the Lincoln Park thing because <laughs> I used to know Jeff Blue from Alex Gerst and all them guys. And uh-huh. he said, that's a Lincoln Park got their name. I was like, how'd they do it? He said, they walked outside the studio, said, what's the name? I don't know. I don't know. And they were at the corner of Lincoln and Park and said, that sounds good. So I just walked outside my house. I'm not going to tell you the exact address, but I live on North Point Drive. And I went, that's a cool name. We're going up. We're driving <laughs> north.
0: We're on the way up, baby.
1: So <laughs> punch it in. You find it anywhere, man.
0: Right on, man. And uh, any live shows you want to promote?
1: Yes. So we will be playing this. Uh, oh, man. Let's see. So we're going to be playing in, you know what? Type it up online. We're playing every weekend coming up. Uh, I'm
0: really <laughs> bad at I got it right I here, here really man. If if I if, uh, When I yeah. put it out, I'll, I'll put out your... Uh, yeah, put it on the link. You're so in, in Allen, Texas and in Dallas. At, hey, Daris. Yeah. Make sure you have a yep, burger. Yeah, there
1: we are. Yeah. that's burger Yeah, I love that Dallas. spot, man. That's a great little spot. I love it.
0: Right on, man. So, well, dude, I appreciate your time. Uh, I, I Hang on after the call. I want to talk to you for a minute. Yeah, but, for sure, uh, man. My podcast, it's called Is Breakfast Included? If you've heard any of them, you know, I'm going to ask you, if we were having breakfast, what would you have?
1: Well, for me, I'm a waffles guy. I really waffles and some bacon. Or just a banana if I'm singing because I don't want to get acid reflux. I'm old and it's coming up now, so
0: <laughs> the shit you know. we do now, huh?
1: Yeah, sure. Exactly. <laughs> I am regretting some of my younger choices. Now my stomach line is trashed. <laughs> so it's like I eat one jalapeno and I love hot food, acid reflux. So either way.
0: Well, but, brother, yeah, I appreciate your time, man. It was good talking to you.
1: Yeah, you too, man.
0: All right. Bye. Grant Petty. Uh I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. I did. Um You can find out more about Grant and North Point Drive at northpointdrive.com. I know I have a bit of an accent and North comes out as North North Point Drive, but it's North, like North, South, East, West. Anyway, uh, Grant said some things to me in that interview that I thought were really kind and really nice because sometimes people make an impact on me. And later on when I meet them, I say, hey, you know, you said this and they they. Fucking they they don't remember anything, um, and I didn't either, and I felt bad, but he said those things, and they they made me feel good sometimes you can say something and it'll change a person's perspective or they hold on to it. He also after the phone call, reminded me about I guess a falling out that we had, and we he owned up to it and apologized he didn't have to because that's how long ago it was and insignificant. It was that I didn't even remember. Like I've never had a problem with Grant. Um, but apparently he thought I did and we made amends with that and we're cool. We always been cool in my eyes, but, uh, anyway, he may be back on the show in a few months. He's got this secret project he's working on. He really couldn't talk about it. He sent me the recordings, uh very rough rough mixes but they're really really cool and once that's done I I'm, I'm going to have them back on we'll talk about that I'd say Grant's a really talented guy very driven individual very positive individual All right guys uh you could check them out like I said North Point Drive northpointdrive.com. I'm going to get that. Uh, You can see their dates. You can order their music and their merch. While you're on there, go to isbreakfast.bigcartel.com, order a shirt, go to our website, go to our, our podcast site, leave us a review, like it, share it, all that good stuff. All right, guys, I am done before I forget how to talk. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week.